G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A conversation about what many Christians aspire to for their communities. When we are shaken by the challenges of a year like this that started out with drought, then bushfires, then floods, then COVID, we might hope that there is some purpose in the pain You can imagine that for the non-believer or the atheist, there's no hope in the pain because, hey, life is just random and meaningless anyway. But as Christians, we stand on much firmer ground. When shaking comes, we look for God's purposes in that. The writer to the Hebrews wrote, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven with those words indicating a removing of those things which can be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. So for the Christian, when there is shaking, we're often looking for revival and awakening as we ourselves and others are open to the treasure we carry in this message of the gospel. The gospel is, of course, good news. Those words revival and awakening, well, they're often used interchangeably, but there may be some distinction. We'll talk about some of those with our special guest this hour. And our special guest is Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, welcome back to 2020. Great to be here, Neil. Stu, let's talk about, uh, first of all, we'll get on to shaking in just a moment, but I did indicate there in the introduction uh, the idea that there might be a distinction between this idea of revival and awakening. Let's just talk about that for a few moments because that's the more likely place that, uh, you know, people might be confused about a conversation Mm. about uh, shaking, revival and awakening. What are your thoughts on differences? Well, uh, often revivals talked about when there's a, a huge amount of people uh, get saved, come into the church, and and the community's transformed. Uh, but revival, by definition, is more reviving of ourselves. It's a it's a it's a personal revival of our faith in Christ and uh, reviving as a church, uh, repenting, uh, coming to know God in a in a fresh way. Uh, you know, putting our lives right with God. And I think out of that becomes an awakening in the whole community. Uh, and that's what ultimately we want to, what we want to see. We want to see a harvest. We want to see people come into the kingdom of God. We want to see community transformed and changed to live uh, the way God would want us to live it. Uh, what we're, I guess, touching on here right at the start is there mm. is some sort of progression here. So mm. it's not all just accidental. And some people think, oh, you know, it'll be a lightning bolt out of the blue and all of a sudden mm. there'll be revival or all of a sudden there'll be awakening but there is apparent process that happens and part of that process it might start with a shaking mm. uh, and if we talk shaking I guess we're talking about some of the the dreadful things that might be happening in our world today mm. give us your thoughts on shaking well um, we've definitely had a shaking this year Neil um, <laughs> If you told me at the beginning of the year what was going to happen this year, I wouldn't have believed you. I really wouldn't have. Um, it's 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 taken everyone by surprise. I don't know that anyone saw this coming. And uh, there's been some. Uh, it's been an incredible and a crazy year uh, for most people um, around the world. 
Um, so the, the question is, you know, what what has that done as far as the church goes and as us as Christians go? Uh, I think it's been a very positive thing in some regards, the shaking. I mean, there's obviously some negatives happen as well, but uh, the fact that we haven't been able to meet in a building is, uh, I think, you know, shaken us to the fact that maybe church is not a building because <laughs> mm. it isn't a building. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that we haven't been able to have events, maybe church isn't an event on a Sunday morning. Maybe Sunday morning isn't church. <laughs> what is the church? It, it's it's us. It's you. It's I. It's 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 you know, uh, every believer, every Christian, are part of Christ's church, and uh, we're together. Uh, we're we're more than a, a building or an event. We are God's people building His kingdom here on earth and leading people into that kingdom to be a part of what God has for all of eternity. Important to be able to talk about what a shaking might mean to mm. the believer. and uh, But there's a certain sense in which the shaking for the whole world mm. has begun way before COVID-19 hit. And uh, things like, and I just run through a, a few things that you know, you'll be able to identify. The idea that some say we're living in a broken world. Uh, economies everywhere appear to be broken. Uh, Everyone's living on borrowed money. That Mm -hmm. means there's something significantly wrong. Families struggling. Addictions on the rise. Mm -hmm. Immorality is increasing. Racism, sexism, Mm -hmm. royal commissions uncovering shocking corruption, Mm -hmm. abuse of power and exploitation of vulnerable people. A broken world full of Mm -hmm. conflict, pain, fear, immorality and injustice. And that's all apart from COVID-19 because Mm. sometimes we think that COVID is the big, big, big bully on the block. In fact, all of these things together, Stu, where there are a lot of things happening. Mm. Well, I I guess a lot of those things are a reflection of where where society's at and the worldview that that are held in our society. But that whole shaking isn't just happening in the church, of course. Uh, I think it's great that the church has been shaken and we've had to ask the question, well, who are we as a church? Are we, are we just, is it Sunday morning service? Is that what church is? Or are we, are we more than that? Are we a body of believers that are here on a mission to impact our communities and to do what God's called us to do here on earth? Um, and the community has definitely been shaken as well. And, and I think although there's an immense amount of suffering and pain in the midst of this, I'm careful in saying this, Neil, but it, there's a sense where it's a good thing as well because as we look at revivals in history uh, and awakenings in history, they're often preceded by uh, turmoil and, and suffering and it's when people's foundations are rocked that they look beyond themselves. Because we know in the Old Testament with the, the children of Israel, everything was going well for them. You know, they were blessed. Their vats were overflowing. You know, everything was going well. They they, they turned away from God and started worshipping other idols and they, they had confidence in themselves and their wealth and their prosperity. And then, you know, it wasn't until God's hand of blessing was removed from them and their animals overtake took them and then they became slaves and they were oppressed. Then they cried out to God again. It was in the midst of that suffering that they realized, hey, our security can't be in our wealth and in, in our, our perceived security of our nation. Uh, we have to put it in God. And I think there's a lot of people, Neil, that wouldn't have looked to God at all before this year that are now going, I don't have a job. I don't have a business. I don't have, look, look what, what my whole life and the things that I 
put my identity in is all crumbled around me. Uh, what is my life about? And they're asking questions. So the foundations rocked. Mm, and uh, I think we can see mm. that there are shaky issues and conditions in the foundations of our world. Mm. Uh, so many will be able to identify those shaky foundations in our lives. I mentioned also in mm. the introduction, as I was mm-hmm. introducing this, uh, the person who is a non-believer, the one who has ignored church mm. and perhaps rejected church outright, mm. the person who might be an atheist, Mm. the person who uh, just does not acknowledge God. It could be that secularized person that thinks that Mm. there's no such thing as uh, this sort of empty spirituality that you Christians talk about. Well, they're technically, by Mm. definition, random and living meaningless lives. Mm. So when the foundations are rocked for the non-believer, That's different to what happens when the foundations are rocked for the believer because we have hope. Give us some insights here into your thoughts for people who are rejecting and pushing God away, Mm. but they're suffering the same sort of shaking and rocking foundations. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you do not have a God in your worldview, if you're completely naturalist, materialist in the way that you're thinking, then we're just a product of random chance. We're an insignificant lump of atoms that have come together by chance. And really, you're just a different chemical makeup than a slug. We're, we're no different. We're just we're just blobs. We're just chemicals. We're flesh. We're bones. We don't have a soul. We don't have a spirit. There's no God. There's nothing outside of ourselves. We're just what we are. And so if you're in a a period of immense suffering, well, why put up with it? You know, like if there's no hope beyond here, if there's no God, if there's no greater purpose, well, if you're suffering, you might as well commit suicide. You might as well end it. Um, there, there is, there's no hope beyond it. But, but if you have a view that you're made by God, you're intrinsically valuable, you're loved by him, he has a plan for your life, there may be a period of suffering you're going through, but there is an end to that. And then ultimately, there's heaven uh, You know, at, at the end of our lives, which is the great hope for every believer. Then your life, that suffering has a purpose, it has a meaning, and, and we can draw closer to God during that time and we can sense his presence and know he's walking with us during that time. It actually can be a positive thing that can draw us, uh, help us to become more like Jesus. Uh, and every, you know, we know the scripture that says, uh, you know, that that all things work for good of those who love Him. And so we, we know that we have hope in the midst of suffering. And anecdotally, suicide rates on the rise. And so for listeners, when you hear that mm. the non-believer doesn't have the same hope that the Christian believer does and that suicide may be an option. Let me encourage you today in the conversation Mm. and what you're hearing loud and clear Mm. is that to be a Christian believer, to have the gospel message transform my life, Mm. it puts into me a hope that I did not have before. Mm. And so for those who are thinking, you know, this is all meaningless, woe is me, I'm going to end it. Uh, this is the challenge here today, is that there is an alternative, there is hope, and this hope is wrapped up in the gospel message. That's right. Now, take us into the gospel message here, Stu, and this is your favorite subject. So, <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, so when we talk about the gospel message, for a lot of even Christian believers, even mature Christian believers, the gospel yes. message is just a, you know, a little message that gets you over the line. Mm. Uh, but what we're talking about today is what happens in a life that then becomes transformed by this gospel message That's right. and then creates opportunity for a broader awakening. So mm. uh, the gospel, such a powerful, powerful thing. Absolutely. 
Just before I, I talk about the gospel, I just want to uh, make a point on what you said, and, and it's and it's very true. And if anyone is feeling like that, that they need to get the help that they need, uh, and I would speak to a Christian who can actually share that hope. And and uh, if you're a, a Christian already and you're struggling, and because just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we don't need help either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you know, if you're going through a really tough, dark time, then get some help from, talk to your pastor or, or other Christians around you, let them know what's going on, because we all need to journey together, don't we? And uh, when yeah. I talk to experts in the mm. field, they say, yep. the first port of call, and uh, I certainly agree, uh, speak sure. to your pastor, yep. speak to your general mm. practitioner, who yep. is described as the, uh, the uh, conductor of the orchestra. <laughs> the GP yes. will know what sort of special help is available yes. and that you should pursue. Yeah, it's not a conversation about suicide today, no, by the no, way. No, no, it's not. Uh, just it's picking not. on that. I, I just wanted to pick up because sometimes we think if we're a Christian, we've got this hope and we're just happy all the time. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, we all go through struggles and uh, we all need help at some time. But let's get back to the gospel, Neil. Yeah. Uh, that is what we're talking about. The gospel is an incredible message. And uh, if you're wondering, you know, is God there? Is there? Is there? hope I want to emphatically say yes we are created by the, by a God that loves us uh, he's made us intrinsically valuable we're created in his image uh, he made us for relationship with him now you might be thinking well why is the world the way it is why is all those issues that Neil were just talking about uh, rampant in our world well uh, the thing is that God has made us with freedom of choice he's given us the choice to either follow his ways or turn away from his ways and unfortunately in general we t- choose to live life how we want to not the, the way that God would want us to live now when we live in God's ways things are very very different and his blessings upon us but unfortunately we're in a broken world but we're in a broken world because of God's love because he loved us so much he gave us freedom of choice we're not puppets we're not on a string we're not you know robots he he isn't forcing us to, to, to do the right thing. He wants us to choose to do the right thing. But as uh, we understand that and we understand the choice that we can make, we can always choose to go back to God, even though we've broken God's laws, even though we've gone away from his way. We've, we've chosen our own way. We've rebelled against God's ways. He did something incredibly important, incredibly significant for us because you sort of think, well, you know, what hope have we got? We've, we've broken it. We're blowing it. But no, Even though we deserve punishment, Jesus came to earth, died on the cross, and paid the punishment for every rotten thing that you and I have done wrong. He's done it. He's paid that punishment. He's made the way possible to, to, to get into heaven. There's nothing I can do to earn my way to heaven, to earn forgiveness, earn back a relationship with God. But God himself has done it through the person of Jesus by dying on the cross for us. We need to respond to that, of course, and uh, and receive the gift that he's offering of forgiveness and eternal life by uh, surrendering ourselves to him, making that commitment to turn away from the wrong things in our lives and follow Jesus. And as we do that, he promises us forgiveness of sins. He promises us a new life, a transformed life, and where he will walk with us day by day uh, as we seek to live life for him. And as I often say, Stu, we don't have to wait for the headlines that say national revival because personal revival can happen today. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Love to open our talkback line, 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts on shaking, 
Revival and Awakening. Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim, is our guest. Stu, let's touch on this issue of revival. And uh, we began to describe that as something that can happen in the life of the individual. And, of course, if it happens en masse, then you've got revival across the body of Christ. That's right. Uh, let me just uh, quote a scripture here from Isaiah chapter 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says this, Mm. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite Mm. and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of Mm. the contrite. The spirit and the heart. I mean, those are sort of, you know, mm. you know getting definitions around those two is not always easy. But no, we're talking no. about a revival of the spirit, a revival of the heart. Give yes. us your insights here into revival. Yeah, I think uh, that's where it all starts. Uh, personal revival and corporate revival as, as a church is uh, in the heart and uh, where we respond to God and, and, and humility. I think that whole thing of being a contrite heart is very, very important. We've got to humble ourselves and be repentant before God and say, God, I surrender everything to you. And as we give everything over to God, as we surrender to him, he can take our lives and use us for his purposes here. But while we're holding on to our lives and, and uh, often the, the, uh, the things that give us security, our, our money, our, our, you know, our status, our title, uh, you know, various things that we, that we hold on to, and it's easy to do that, um, it's, it, it's very easy to, uh, in a sense, push God out and say, we've got this covered. <laughs> mm. uh, and in these desperate times, it's a, a good thing for us to, just to come you know, naked before God as such, you know, not literally, but you know what I mean, naked before God and say, God, uh, you know, I, I've got nothing. You are my life. I surrender myself to you. I want to be used by you. And as we come to that point and we're in humility before God, I, I believe God revives us uh, and can use us for incredible things. Significant to touch on this issue of repentance here mm-hmm. and uh, noting, and I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation and maybe multiple times about the value of repentance because mm. for a lot of Christians, they think that is, uh, you know, oh, I've been found out, now I've got to confess my sins uh, and turn away. Mm. But uh, but repentance, uh, I love the dimension when you talk about repentance as saying, this is the thing that finally sets me free from that yes. which has been holding me back and uh, mm. binding me. So uh, so the idea of, uh, of a drug addict who wants to hold on to their addiction so tightly instead yeah. of getting freed from it uh, right. and feeling so good beyond mm. getting freed from the addiction, there's, there's something in the repentance yeah. taking the weight off our shoulders. Uh, repentance, a really important part of revival, that contrite heart. Mm. Mm, absolutely, and I think that the, the the more repentant we are, the more that we give over ourselves to God, the the greater liberty, the greater freedom that we have in our lives. And it seems counterintuitive, like you say, because we want to hold on to things that you know, uh, hold on to control. But the, the the more we give away, the freer we are, because when we release everything to God, he he's been around a hang of a lot longer than you or I, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what's best for our lives, and uh, he loves us. Uh, and he he's not going to do anything um, that is going to um, you know be detrimental, harmful for for our lives. He's he's going to uh, he he loves us. He, he's a good God, and he wants the best for us. And so that doesn't mean that we won't he won't take us through periods of suffering for our own benefit. But overall, it's for our good that he'd do that. 
Mm. Uh, you know, the the closest we've ever come in Australia to national revival awakening. Mm. Now, that's uh, interesting. I'll use those two terms together. Sure. Uh, people will know would have been the Billy Graham Crusades. Yes. And uh, he did three big crusades throughout the 20th century. The biggest one, 1959. Yep. Uh, something like 130,000 converts that came to Christ in Mm -hmm. the Billy Graham Crusades. And uh, it's described as the time we came closest to, and that maybe is just a little caution to say, well, it wasn't really a national revival, but the the eyes of the nation were on Billy Graham. That's right. uh, When he preached the gospel message and people responded in droves. Yes. And, uh, And that would be, you might describe as something of a revival if you're trying to get a picture in your mind. Although the idea of a big uh, stadium crusade might not necessarily be the only way that that can happen. Absolutely. And I think that if there is a revival in the church, as we are revived to the mission and purpose that God's called us to go into the world and preach the gospel, I think that it doesn't need to happen from one man standing up in front of a massive crowd. It can be a massive crowd of Christians all around Australia going out in our day-to-day lives, reaching our family, our friends, our workmates, our, our neighbours, our you know even strangers, and with the gospel. And the impact of the gospel is the same when we share it as when Billy Graham shares it. There's not some special thing that he says it and it's going to be different uh, the power of the gospels in the gospel not not in the deliver of the gospel so we uh, Romans 1 16 says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes so we've got this divine message that we can plant into the hearts of people that can grow and bring forth fruit and it's interesting that you talk about you know evangelism being you know the start of this awakening or this revival because um, George Barner from the Barner Research Institute um, has done a big study of all the, the the modern revivals and has said that every revival in the history of the modern world has been grounded in an explosion of prayer and evangelism, and that's interesting, isn't it? Prayer getting ourselves right with God and evangelism, doing what he's called us to do. And as the gospel shared, it transforms people's lives. Uh, Wow. That prayer, we'll get to talk about that, I think, after the news. We're just a a few minutes out from the news. And uh, when I said that 1959 revival specifically, uh, and I said, you know, it's a little bit revival or awakening because interestingly beyond that, uh, what happened when those uh, tens of thousands, 130,000 is the official number, when those people responded, they went then and trained Mm. to be... Christian mature Christians. They yes. planted churches. They went to the mission fields. Yes. Uh, went into ministry and all yes. sorts of. This is what happens when you've got awakening. But and and look out of uh, you know when I picked up that sort of detail, yeah. it didn't take that Christians going into business and applying their Christian yeah. ethics to their business. I mean, these sorts of things happen for the further awakening, Stu. And they're hand in hand, aren't they? The awakening and the revival. Because, you know, as that happens, there's there's a revival in the church as well. There's new people coming in. There's a new seriousness about God and a passion for God and a a desire to see more people come into his kingdom. Uh, It's all, it all, it it can have a, a snowballing effect. Okay, let's come to this Facebook question that I'm asking listeners to respond to. Do you Mm. think there could be a national spiritual awakening in Australia without first having a revival in the body of Christ? Uh, I'm thinking that there has to be the revival. That's the start. The awakening doesn't happen without the revival. What are your thoughts here? Um, I think you're absolutely right. 
which is good. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yep. But the reality is that, you know, if you do not sow, you will not reap. Galatians tells us that, right? And so if we're wanting to see a harvest, we've got to plant the seed. And if we're going to plant the seed, we need a revival of Christians uh, to take seriously the call of God to go out with the gospel message. And I think until that happens, until we saturate the seeds, uh, Australia with the seeds of the gospel, we're not going to see uh, the, the, the awakening that we want to see and the transformation of our society that we desperately want to see. So if we want to see that, it starts with that, that planting the seed, planting of the gospel message. And I don't think that God is going to just divinely reward us for our disobedience <laughs> by bringing a great awakening in our society and say, okay, you guys haven't done the job. I'm just going to step here and here and do it. You know, I'm just... I don't think he's going. To, he, he doesn't reward disobedience. He, you know, he wants to reward our obedience, and he wants to uh, keep the principles of his word, which is sowing and reaping. And I think that we can see a mighty awakening in our nation, and we've got a great opportunity at the moment where people are broken and they are crying out and they need hope. And we have the hope of and the good news of Jesus Christ to share. We'll take some calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation, just to reflect on perhaps. Uh, some thoughts from listeners Suze says on our Facebook post today I think that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we think or imagine but isn't it great when we've been part of his leading people to him Uh, what are your thoughts here for someone like Suze who says that in a revival awakening type of a conversation Uh, privileged to be a part of what God's doing Absolutely. You know, God is, is working in this world. He's wanting to draw people to himself and to relationship with him. He wants to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, I think it's great that he just doesn't go, you know what, Christians, don't worry about it. I've got this. I've got this sorted. I'm God. I'm more powerful. I can do everything. Don't don't worry. Just eat some pizza. You know, have a movie night. I've got the sorted. I'm gonna I'm gonna save the world. No, he involves us. He says he wants us to be a part of his great rescue plan for the world, and that's a privilege to be a part of that. Um, that's why it says in, in Romans, uh, you know, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Uh, you bring out a really interesting point when you say that, because as you say, God could fix things in a breath. Mm. But what happens, whether they to us appear to be good or bad, uh, it's that he's involving us in the process. In other words, he's doing this for his people uh, and and, uh, fulfilling his purposes. It is something that somehow or other you've got to twist that round and get that the right way up. Mm. Absolutely. It gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. We're, we're, we're here for a reason. If, if, we, if there wasn't any reason for us to be here on earth, we might as well, Jesus might as well click his fingers. We all go up to heaven right now. We might, you know, where it can be perfect. Uh, that we're here for a purpose. We're, we're here for a limited amount of time, and we've got to make that time count to live the life that God is calling us to, to do the things that he's asking us to do that would build his kingdom and see other people come to know him. And uh, And it's a beautiful thing to be able to invest in other people's lives for all of eternity by sharing the gospel, which can transform their heart and life. Talking about a progression from this shaking mm. at the start, and we're all being shaken, whether you're believer or non-believer. Mm. Uh, we've discovered that believers handle things a whole lot differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when there is a sound of revival, 
the idea that, you know, a little bit hearkening back to that Old Testament uh, scripture in Ezekiel, uh, the, the dry bones. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, can these dry bones live? And, yes. uh, you know, Ezekiel says, only you know, Lord. And then, you know, you hear the sound. You can, you know, when you're reading it, your your imagination takes over. You hear the sound of the dry bones begin to rattle. And, you know, yes. it's talking about the nation of Israel reforming. But there's a yes. great analogy in that if we're talking about what it is to be a revived heart as a Christian. Yep. The sound of an revival uh, leading on to an awakening. What are your thoughts here, Stu? Yeah, well, I think it's it's. I mean, it's very easy to criticise the church, isn't it? I mean, there's some fantastic things happening in the church, but there's also you know areas of concern uh, where we need to rise up. We need to get passionate about our, our mission here on 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 uh, earth and our uh, going beyond the four walls of our church, not being na- navel gazing, but rather reaching out into our community, having a focus, knowing what we're here for, our purpose, and to to engage. Uh, the public domain uh, to bring about the change that God would want us to bring about and particularly to see people come to know Jesus. And so um, we can sometimes look at the church a bit like those dry bones and go, Lord, can anything come out of this church? You know, we're, we're just so sleepy and apathetic, you know, like, but God can do something and He, we need a revival. We need uh, him to blow uh, and pour his spirit upon us and, and we need the rattling of those bones and, and to come alive and really uh, be passionate about reaching out with the gospel. When you're describing that, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, the devil likes to interfere and uh, would love to throw a bucket of cold water on the fire. Mm. And we have a wonderful illustration, don't we, mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about the armor of God, mm-hmm. uh, when we hold the shield of faith That's that right. extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think of those fiery darts as you know the, the accusations that come to us personally. Yes. But there's a big bucket of water that gets mm-hmm. thrown onto Christians everywhere mm-hmm. when someone reminds us mm-hmm. that people in the church mm-hmm. have done the wrong thing and acted badly mm-hmm. over generations and people have been hurt. Now yes. I'm thinking of sex scandals and abuses sure. and things that have happened mm. and and uh, by by people who are in yep. uh, positions that we would have thought mm-hmm. were, were trustworthy positions so mm. one little headline in the national media throws a bucket of cold water mm. over the idea that somehow or other it's the believers who have to be perfect yes but God is the one who is perfect and we're representatives of him. And even mm. though there are things that have been done that have been less than tasteful, mm. in fact, absolutely abhorrent mm. in some senses, mm. uh, those things uh, ought to be set aside in the heart of the believer, knowing that it's Christ mm. who is perfect and mm. not we who are human and sinful. Mm. Uh, any thoughts around, along those lines? I I agree, and I think that you know that's why it's so important that as we share the gospel with people and as we engage in the community, we we're representing Christ. We're not representing the church, you know, or what society perceives as the church. Um, because it's not about church, it's about Jesus, and it's about building his kingdom here on earth. And uh, we're working right across the denominations. It's not about a denomination. It's about us as the people of God engaging in the community and bringing his kingdom here on earth. Uh, and so we want to divorce ourselves from that, that sin and those headlines and say, look, that we want to agree and say it is abhorrent. Uh, we do not condone this in any form. It is wrong. Those people uh, have done the wrong thing. Uh, but it's not. That's not Jesus. 
<laughs> that's not what I'm talking to you about. I'm talking to you about Jesus today and how you can get right with him because he thinks that it's abhorrent as well. In fact, he died uh, to, to make a better world so that that, that sort of thing uh, would go away, so that people would repent of their sins and not do that sort of thing. So we've got to really be clear on that. And I think also, Neil, I think you bring out a good point in that uh, we aren't perfect. And even though we are ambassadors for Christ, as Corinthians talks about, and we want to represent him well, at the same time, I think we've got to walk in extreme humility and to say and be quick to admit to people, look, hey, look, my life's certainly not perfect. I do things that are wrong and I do my best to live life right. But, you know, I stuff up. But, you know, God is so gracious and he's working with me every day. And I think if we don't come across with a holier than thou attitude and we step in humility, people see that. We're authentic and transparent about our own sin as well. People appreciate that. I don't think we need to hide it and pretend that we're better than we are because, you know, that's, that's not authentic at all. You know, when you talk about that, I think this is such a powerful point because mm. while we all want to have a role model mm. who looks pretty good, yep. almost perfect, uh, we know not everybody's perfect, we, we want our role models to look good. Mm. But it may actually be uh, the idea that, uh, you know, here am I sitting opposite Stu and mm. Stu's sitting opposite Neil. Mm. Uh, my assumption that not everything's right with Stu. Uh, he's got a few issues and you've got a few problems. And you might be looking at Neil saying, Neil, you've got a few issues and you've got a few problems. To acknowledge that that, that is the case, and to expect that mm. that is the case, mm. take caution if you think that's going to be a danger to you. <laughs> and but yeah. but then but this is it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. There's an old wonderful saying that I I love to refer to these days. Uh, In this world, we are saints among sinners. But before God, we are all sinners saved by grace. So there is a sinfulness in humanity. We would be cautious not to put our trust in humanity, but Mm. only put our trust in Christ. That's right. And a wonderful way to just turn things around and have Mm. a a fresh look at how we think about Mm. those things, especially if someone's pouring a bucket of cold water and criticizing Mm. the church and criticizing the leaders and criticizing everybody who's Mm. trying to, you know, sort of do a a righteous thing. Uh, We're taking calls on 1 800 316 316. Graham's waiting on patiently from Bernie in Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Uh, why is the shaking happening, and what is the purpose of it? Good stuff, uh, Stu. <laughs> well, there's a lot of a uh, lot of different um, variety of thought as to why the shaking is happening, and. Um, I think, Graham, it, it's very interesting when circumstances happen. We can either blame, blame the devil, we can attribute it to God, or we can just say stuff happens. And that, you know, I'm talking generally, not just this year, but, uh, you know, suffering or anything that happens in our life could be one of, one of those three things. And it's not always easy to, you know, determine what, which one it is. But what we can determine is how we respond to it. And what we can determine is what good can God do through this and how can I respond in a way that brings me closer to Jesus and helps me impact my community and do what he's called me to do. And I think that's the main thing that we should focus on rather than looking at the cause. And Graham, I suspect... Sorry, sorry. I'm I'm breaking in here, but God is sending a message to the world. He did say a shaking. Yes. A shaking to turn away from our... Wrong ways, and us so-called Christians, we've got our own battles too, yes. and we all need to get closer to God. Mm. 
Definitely. Yes, and uh, there is also an eschatological dimension here. When uh, say that you know the big word, which means uh, that when we look at the Bible, uh, there are not just predictions of what things would be happening at biblical times, but also at the end of the age. So, mm. uh, and the way that God is progressively working through those things, and the warning has already been there mm. that even comes from Jesus. I mean, check uh, scriptures like Matthew chapter twenty-four, and mm. and uh, Jesus telling his disciples what is to come and so if you are anticipating uh, that God is on a process bringing things to an end of the age then you are looking for these things too and you are not ignorant of the fact that there is a when there is a shaking that there is a call to repent a call to reform a call to make things right Graham from Bernie thank you so much for your call 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation Karen responded to our Facebook message and said uh, she's called in to say there is a super fight on and God Mm. wants people to turn to him interesting words super fight Mm. uh, because this comes to a conversation I was having yesterday the idea that there is a battle that's going Mm. on it's a spiritual battle Mm. as much as you might things see these things shaking in the physical there's a spiritual battle your thoughts for a spiritual battle Stu? absolutely there's a spiritual battle going on there's, there's more than just uh, what's happening in the in the uh, in the the physical the things that we can see and touch and feel and smell there is a spiritual dominion uh, dominion there's a, a cosmic battle going on between the enemy the devil and God and uh, it's no surprise that that uh, you know uh, ends up oozing into the physical realm as well and and we're experiencing some of the effects of what's going on there. Stu, let me ask you about, and we'll spend a few minutes here because Mm. we're drawing to the end of our conversation. Time is running short. Mm. Uh, The idea of because there is a shaking, I think Mm. it's easy to identify that that's happening. Uh, Because we would like to see revival and Mm. we'd like to see that grow to a point where uh, the Mm. sound of the revival overflows and causes an awakening in our Mm. broader nation. Uh, We're talking things here to individuals, but also the church. Let's talk Mm. about the church. Uh, Is the church doing what the church is supposed to do? Is the church an essential service? There's even an argument over that. Maybe it's not an essential service. Mm. Uh, Give us some thoughts here on what the church perhaps should be doing. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, you know, uh, dissatisfaction with some of the government uh, regulations that are allowing, you know, thousands of people uh, in football stadiums or, or in protests on the street but we can't have too many in a church and you know and we're saying well why is there different rules and and I can completely understand that but the question I want to ask is well why are they saying other things are essential and we're not uh, why are we seemingly so irrelevant to many in our, in our society I think we should be leading the way Neil I think we should uh, you know, if we revive and we make the impact that we should make, uh, then church will be viewed as an essential service. We we won't be irrelevant. We'll we'll be known as people of love, people who are doing incredible things in our communities, and we're people of hope and a message of good news about Jesus. Some um, will say, uh, "Well, there's you know, I'm part of a great church. It's already a revival type of a church. Uh, people yep, are already sure. revived there, but uh, perhaps that's not the same right across the board." That's right. Uh, and perhaps there needs to be a uh, an image change so that people can understand what is really going on in the church because even if the church was in revival, somehow or other, people
people have got to know about it and not everybody will be looking through the window on a Sunday to see people in a revival state. Uh, So not everybody Mm. in in the society thinks the church is revived, even if there are some churches that are in revival. Mm. And I think, you know, that's why it's got to spill out of the four walls of the church and and we've got to stop thinking of church as a building or or as a, you know, a great meeting where, you know, we've a sense of the tangible presence of God within the four walls of our Sunday morning meeting. It's about Monday to Friday, 24 hours a day, out in our communities uh, doing what God's called us to do. I, I would say as far as this awakening goes, I, I think there's three things that we've got to, uh, you know, we can do as a church. Number one, we can pray. Because without God doing this, uh, you know, we're wasting our time. We can talk to a blue in the face to our friends uh, about coming to know Jesus, but God needs to draw them. And so we need to trust in his sovereignty and in his power to move uh, as we pray upon people's hearts and lives. Um, you know, if, if you're not already involved in organizations like, uh, you know, National Day of Prayer of Fasting, Canberra Declaration, there's d- different organizations you can get involved in to encourage you in prayer. Uh, uh, secondly, we can obviously share the gospel. Uh, and if you're not sure how to share the gospel, uh, we've been talking a lot about the, this hour. I'd encourage you to um, firstly get the G7 app uh, on your phone. You can get it from the Android or the, the Apple Store. Uh, just type in G7, G for gospel, 7 for 7 minutes. So it's the number 7. Uh, it's a blue icon. Uh, download that. It's got a tutorial inside the app that will teach you how to share the gospel. Uh, get going and, and it'll give you the tools you need. If you need to contact me, you can contact me through the Train to Proclaim website and I'd love to be able to talk with you about how we can help you uh, get activated for evangelism. And just to say yep. uh, that on the Train to Proclaim website and mm-hmm. the G7 app and mm-hmm. uh, whenever we have you in, we always like to draw attention to that. Yes. And these things are free. Mm. And so it's yes. not, uh, you know, uh, let's not think that free means cheap yep. because uh, quality resources mm. that you can use, that you mm. can access free of charge mm. in order to supercharge your ability to be able to share this message of the gospel with other people. Uh, lots of other things people can do, Stu. Yes. Uh, what are we supposed to do? How do we uh, be a revived church? How does that result in a awakening mm. that affects the culture? Uh, you mentioned aligning with various organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some uh, wonderful organizations that mm. uh, you know are promoting the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, or you mentioned yes. the Canberra Declaration. Yes. Uh, yep. There's other organizations, even more political, uh, yep. like the Australian Christian Lobby yep. or, uh, or yep. Family Voice Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, the ACL, they're involved in activism and helping to get people motivated, mm. and uh, particularly around a time when, when there's elections on. Mm. Uh, you know, you can actually play a role to promote those policies that are biblically aligned. Yeah, I would definitely encourage Christians everywhere to get in touch with the ACL. I was on a call last night with them, uh, a volunteer call, and uh, there's over 1,500 volunteers around the nation. And, uh, we, you know, we could really cause a shaking in this nation if Christians rose up and, and joined with an organization like ACL, which are well organized and have some, uh, you know, give you tasks that you're capable of doing. There's nothing forced on you, but you can volunteer and say, hey, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do this. And we could be a part of being activists 
for Christ in this nation and making a difference at a political level. So for me, Neil, I, I think we, we, we had it at a spiritual level where we pray. We had it from a ground level one-on-one where we share the gospel with people and try to see lives transformed from the ground up. And then we had it from an activism level with from the political sort of the top down. And if we can have it from all three of these angles, what a difference we can make in our society if we all rose up with passion and, and did this for God. You know, it's inspiring to get into a conversation which is not one-dimensional but multi-dimensional, mm. and it leads us all as Christian mm. believers to think a little more deeply about yes. all of the essential ingredients mm. that make a revival happen. That's right. And, uh, you know, mm. the revival doesn't happen without God. I'm not saying it's all oh, yeah. humanly uh, 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 mechanized. Yes. Uh, but the revival happens when God moves on the hearts of believers. Right. But there's preparation that can happen there mm. uh, that can lead to the opportunity for revival and mm. then awakening. And as I sometimes say, Stu, mm. uh, that with the pressure that's come on the church, and I know listeners will appreciate that the church gets marginalized, mm. pushed off to mm. the sidelines. Yep. And you feel like you're not in the main game. And mm. I know that uh, believers will be able to see that that sort of thing has happened. Mm. But there's those who will see that as a defeat. Mm. Somehow or other, the church has been pushed off the main stage, out mm. of the public sphere. Yep. But typically what happens is that the church feels the pressure mm. and begins to mount and the excitement begins to grow. Those yes. dry bones rattle and right. the sound of the saints starts mm. to ignite and mm. what we may be in for is a republicization mm. of faith That's right. to you know be pushed to one side to be under the pressure mm. and everything mounts and then republicization Mm. Get ready for it. Good things are ahead. Mm. Uh, Let me just point you to the Train to Proclaim website. And we mentioned that everything you can get from Train to Proclaim is going to be available free. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. G7 app that will help you to be able to share the gospel in a modern format, Mm -hmm. digital format. People will want to see the message of the gospel on your G7 app when you've downloaded that to your mobile Mm -hmm. device. Lots of other wonderful resources Mm. uh, for training and becoming mature in your faith. And Stu, honor to you because uh, you've put many, many years of hard work into what's available on Train to Proclaim. The website is this, traintoproclaim.com. Traintoproclaim.com. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, thank you so much for your uh, time, for your input, for your passion this morning on 2020. Great to be here, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.